back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us today. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. I could I could handle this music below us the whole segment, man. Yeah, it's real jazzy, man. Real, <laughs> I kind of like it. Sweet. We're just kind of going with it. Uh, Ian and I, we often say as pastors, we love to hear ourselves talk. But one thing we love even more is to have people in here. <laughs> I've to, never said that for the oh, record. I, you, I could tell, though. I could tell. <laughs> That's gross. We uh, probably so. our favorite thing. Uh, probably our favorite thing since we started this show is to have people in studio specifically uh, just to have a conversation. And with that in mind, we are super excited to be joined by Dave and Debbie Sanders. Thank you guys for joining us today. Hey, You're welcome. It's great Thank to you. Be here. Absolutely. Well, uh, rather than me just reading about you and you kind of, you know, listening about yourself, why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about you guys? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my most um, important thing that I can say is I was Ian's professor. Uh, we're going to get into that. <laughs> right. right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The most important <laughs> day. still an outstanding assignment. That, uh, You're probably to, not wrong. to bring up on the radio. I think there. I still have some library books, actually. <laughs> say, there's probably still some work not done yet. And we have some lovely stories. Well, we're all out of time on the show today. <laughs> well, Debbie oh, and I have been married for 45 years, which for some people is an eternity. and uh, But for us, it's like... Um, it's a ramp up to eternity. So uh, <laughs> I, that was that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was good. really good. Huh? It sounds exhausting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Says Dave's wife. Yes. Well, um, and uh, I think back uh, as we think back over that time, you go, you know, this is the person that God has used most in my life to shape me. Mm. And uh, it, so we've been shaped by each other. We've been shaped by the communities we've been a part of, which has been several things um, in places in the world. We've been part of the uh, military community when I was oh, wow. in, in the Army very early. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a, a band of brothers kind of thing that um, happened early on. Then we went into ministry and, and uh, we're with Young Life for about 23, 23 or so years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So community of Young Life people all over the world. We spent 15 years back working with the military and doing youth ministry on military bases in Europe, and so the European environment, we were in Sicily for a while, and then we went to Germany for another 15 years, and so... And that was with Club Beyond, Young Life and yeah, Youth Young Christ. Life, Youth the Christ uh, together, so wow. those, those communities of people, then we mm-hmm. were in Judson for 15 years, mm-hmm. Judson University. And that's a place that shapes lives. That shaped the world. <laughs> yes. And it's a good day to be a Judson Eagle. Eagle. Yes. That's for you, Dr. Kroom. He has sat right in that chair. Yes. <laughs> that's right. So that's a whole other community. And now God has called us to something pretty special. We've um, semi-retired from uh, being a professor, although I'm still personally leading a um, uh, the Master of Leadership and Ministry mm-hmm. program, a director of that. We can do that from distance now, and so we're living in Southern Virginia. As I told you guys, it's about 20 minutes from anywhere. The closest, <laughs> closest town that people might know, although the real close town is Farmville. But that's a real name? It's a real name. Yes. It's not, not just yes. a app, not just a... We when that's the big city. In the metropolis of Farmville. Farmville, right? Uh, not too far from Lynchburg, but Appomattox, where they say the, the nation was reunited, uh, is yeah. the way the tagline there. So. Mm. If you any of you know Civil War history, that's where Lee surrendered to Grant, pretty much the end of the the Civil War. Wow. So we live in an also an Amish community is all around us, so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool too. So these are new things we're we're looking at, um, uh, and we're we're actually doing it, uh, developing a uh, retreat and farm, uh, and it's really designed to be a place for pastors, uh, 
Christian missionaries, missionaries wow. Christian workers mm-hmm. to come and and uh, a bit of soul care. That's kind of a, a theme of ours these days. I love it's that. Called, awesome. uh, we've called it the Shepherd's Tavern. Shepherd's Tavern. I love that. Well, okay, so just cards on the table so people are aware. Uh, Dave and Debbie are among my favorite people on planet Earth, and they're <laughs> honestly, honestly, very few people who have shaped my life as much as you have, Dave. And mm-hmm. in fact, when Dave and uh, Warren's Bird Hero Maker came out, uh, they asked us to make videos about people who have most influenced us, and I made a, a video talking about Dave Sanders and Warren Anderson, so both oh. of them have been on the show now. So. Personally, it is a thrill just to have you guys on the show because I think the world should know who you are and what you're doing. <laughs> so we have a doc of like topics that we could cover, yeah. which is about 12 items long. Uh, missions, ministry, Shepherd's Tavern, Holy Land, higher education, care, Sabbath. <laughs> all things that I would love for us to talk about. But you landed talking about Shepherd's Tavern, though. Could you talk to us a little bit more about how that dream even became a reality and what sort of your hopes for it in the future are? Well, um, we've always had a life of hospitality. Mm. So when you're overseas and you're traveling around, people opening your home. So it was always something that we had as a part of our culture. Mm. So um, it was a natural fit that when um, we came to Judson, obviously we wanted to open our homes to students. So in I took the Master of Leadership and Ministry course. I was in the first cohort, and my final project was all about the value and the power and the need for people in ministry to have Sabbath rest. Yeah. And to be take sabbaticals. Yeah. And so from that, we just kind of formed the idea that we need to be about creating a space that's safe and affordable for people in ministry to come. That's amazing. So that's really kind of, although it had been growing and increasing during that time, it really was solidified during my final project that's with awesome. the MLM. I love that. As a pastor who got to go on sabbatical about a year and a half ago, I give Bravo. it up. Big thumbs up to Rub this. it in. Bravo. Big up. Bravo. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Uh, it, it sounds like it was a little theoretical, like you were saying. I think this is, but I'm sure that you're just seeing just worn out pastors and missionaries mm-hmm. and stuff. Why do you think it is? That people in ministry get so worn out and don't take these breaks and why, maybe on the positive side, why it's so necessary. Part of Debbie's research actually uh, got into that and and all the statistics that are done with pastors and and churches, uh, what you find out is a lot of times pastors don't think they can leave because Mm. the church can't do without them. Right, right. Well, conversely, the church doesn't think the pastor can leave because they don't think they can do without the pastor. (laughs) Right. So you got this kind of perfect storm of, yeah. of uh, kind of like savior complex. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, and, and what what really happens is when the pastor leaves for, you know, a month or three months or whatever, however long the sabbatical can be, uh, all of the people in the congregation, their gifts start emerging, and, the, and when the pastor comes back, they're stronger and healthier and better. Congregation stronger and mm. healthier, better. And the church works better because both are now healthy. Interesting. Right. And but the but the leading into it sounds scary and fearful, and and nobody wants to do it. Yeah. Right. We come from an area. We just went to a uh, a meeting of um, uh, the the presbytery, kind of in that area. Hmm. And what ended up happening is they talked about the average size church was what forty five people, Ooh. something like that, hmm. in all these churches across this rural kind of area. And some of the pastors were literally going two and three churches. They'd start, they'd preach at wow. nine o'clock. They'd drive 20 minutes to the next church, no little kidding. church, and they'd preach there. And so, and try to keep up with all the births, deaths, sickness, right. uh, birthdays, uh, you know, everything. Wow. And it's, it is a, a, um, it's a script that says uh, burnout. Yeah, yeah right. Completely. No and one of the, one of the pastors there said, yeah, we're, 
we're finding um, young. We can't re- attract young people here as pastors because they can't. Nobody can hire them fully. Yeah, and the and the mid age or older pastors are just getting completely burned out. Wow, that's fascinating. With that, those voices here, Dave and Debbie Sanders, we are excited. There's so much to talk about. We've just scratched the surface, so they're going to stay with us here for another couple segments. Uh, maybe the last segment we'll talk about Ian's grades. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't we'll, think we have to go. I'll tell you just right now, bad. Did you that bring it? Long. Long. Did yeah. you bring the trip? <laughs> I think you brought the transcript like I asked you to. And, uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. This, oh, it will be. <laughs> anyway, we're excited to have Dave and Debbie Sanders join us here, and they're going to stay with us. So we hope you do, too. For Ian Sanders, I'm Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined by Ian Simpkins. Oh. If you were with us in the last uh, segment, you uh, for the first time in our 10 months, I got your name wrong. <laughs> I've always felt like a Sanders, though, anyway. I think that's funny. We, we are joined by Dave and Debbie Sanders, and at the end of the last segment, I called him Ian Sanders. So. It's, it's more accurate than you realize, we though. Dave and Debbie Simpkins. Yeah, we'll like. see. Yeah. Hey, at the end of this nine minutes, I don't know what I'm going to call you guys. We'll see what You might not even be Dave and Debbie by the end of this, right? <laughs> yes, we're excited to have Dave and Debbie Sanders with us. So many fascinating things in your guys' bio, but one of the uh, one of the threads, the overarching threads here, is a clear um, uh, emphasis on soul care uh, and this concept also of spiritual direction. Can you talk to us a little bit, the people out there? What do you even mean when we talk about soul care? Soul care, <laughs> <laughs> simply put, is caring for the soul. <laughs> Hold on, let me write that down. One That's second. profound. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, as simple as that does sound, it actually is a little bit more profound because mm-hmm. we talk a little a lot about health and yeah. um, uh, what to eat, what to drink, how to exercise, these kinds of things. And and then we go 110 miles an hour. Right. And our soul is a mess. Hmm. And we haven't actually stopped, paused, spent time uh, literally just listening. Yeah. Um, and so soul care, while it sounds... Um, obviously simple is not simple at all uh, i i have been teaching up until this last year with um, students and to have them put that device down mm. cell phone and spend 20 minutes in silence is usually uh one very unnerving mm. secondly it's um very unusual yeah and uh, they're willing to do it but they have to be actually called to do it and, right and a space provided to do it. Hmm. Uh, so a lot of this uh, with soul care and with spiritual direction, I think, is about creating space. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Nouwen uses the word hospitality, mm-hmm. which is not just about welcoming somebody and giving them a cup of coffee. It's about creating a space inside of uh, your relationship where they can be who they are. Hmm. So spiritual direction, uh, Debbie has gone through a spiritual direction program called Sela and uh, hmm. is now an official Spiritual director. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Um, And basically, uh, that is a person who sits with another person and does create this space for listening to what God is saying to that person Hmm. by asking some questions, by probing. But it's not a counselor. They're not not there to try to answer and and fix something for someone. They're really there to help that person uh, be in a place where they can actually listen to what the Lord is saying to them. Right. So the spiritual director doesn't always know what the Lord is saying to them, but to hmm. help them prepare for 
that space mm-hmm. enough to actually listen and to um, uh, engage with what the Lord is saying to them. Yep. So, Debbie, have you found that people have been receptive to that, the church in general? Because I, I know that sometimes the church historically has not necessarily welcomed with open arms some of these areas of spiritual direction and, and counseling and therapy. Like, what has been your experience thus far from the church and other Christians? Have people been receptive to it? I think it is growing in um, popularity and understanding within the Protestant faith. Mm-hmm. And the Catholic faith probably, and maybe the Orthodox uh, Episcopalians, they are a little bit more familiar with it. It's more part of their language. Right. But the evangelical Christians are beginning to see the value mm-hmm. of allowing that that space. Just like we talked about Sabbath and sabbaticals and the value of that. It's giving ourselves permission to just pause and allow that space in our life right. instead of filling our life with so much can we just be still with that? You know, yeah. Be still and know that I'm God. That that really has tremendous value in allowing the um, uh, craziness of our life mm-hmm. to settle down and for us to be very lean into mm. what God is saying. So a director is only there just helping to provide that permission, provide that safe place Hmm. for the directee to listen attentively to what the Spirit is saying to them by asking questions of contemplation. We try to avoid leading questions, and we try to avoid uh, yes and no, because you want them Hmm. to enter into what the Spirit is telling them at that particular moment. So the next time I see my directee or I talk to my directee, a month later or two months later, um, they have gone on, hopefully, with their relationship with God. And they, we, we, we will not circle back necessarily hmm. to that. And it's not my role to bring them back to that. So right. it's very exciting. It's very uh, enabling uh, others to hmm. learn how to listen and be still. I love that. Interesting. What would be some yellow flags, red flags for people where it's like, we all need soul care, but like you desperately need it. You're on a bad path right now because a lot of people out there, they just run harder, harder, harder. Right, right. What would be some warning signs for people, do you think? I would say that uh, when somebody says they don't need soul care. Ah, that's good. <laughs> that's or, the first red flag. Oh, that's or I can't afford to have soul care yeah. or I'm just way too busy. Things will fall apart. Um, you know, if the calendar is filled up and they're not spending time with their family, and they're not spending time yeah. uh, reading the scriptures themselves, not for the motivation of preaching, but mm. for the motivation for their souls <laughs> to be transformed. I'm feeling into attacked like right now. Right? <laughs> yes. All right, so well, we me. all do it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah in Christian for sure. Ministry, we, we go like, oh, my gosh, I got a Bible study. I need to read something for that. Yes. All oh, right. As opposed to. I mean, another rendering of be still that I really like is cease striving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Right. Let let go. Stop pushing into the, I had this picture that I wanted to get but never did, and it was in England, and I've never gone back to get it. But it was a, a <laughs> I can plow hear the horse, violins. <laughs> a workhorse straining into the harness, with, and every sinew and muscle was just popping hmm. out because it was so much force being put into plowing. And and I wanted that picture with the verse underneath it that says, cease striving mm. and know that I'm God. Because, like, take the weight off of the harness, right. pull back, uh, understand who's really in control, who's really sovereign. Uh, I think I think we think it's a great thing to really be busy and do all this stuff. Uh, I think it's actually a statement that says, I don't trust God with all this. Mm. Or you're not being a very effective leader in passing on responsibilities and 
Um, right. Things that they can be doing in their gifts. That's you know, right. How can we encourage others to use their gifts? And part of that is learning to be humble and step back mm. and, and allow there to be space for that time of thinking. Something I'll never forget, Dave, you spoke at my ordination, actually, which was now, I think, 49 years ago, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but you, and I still have it, actually. It's on my desk. It, you gave me this uh, little stuffed horse, and it was this military example of a general in the battle sits upon a horse, which the benefit, it gives them a greater view of the battle at hand, but it also makes them much easier to target. And yep. that was such an impacting illustration for me entering into this new season of leadership. Can you unpack that a little more for people? Because Brian and I are both pastors in very different contexts, but it's something that we talk a lot about, especially when you're talking about soul care and Sabbath and how often leaders are the ones that are the worst at seeking these things out because, like you were saying, we believe if I hit pause, then this whole thing falls apart. What what are some other cautions maybe you, you would give to leaders in particular that don't recognize, hey, you have a better vantage point, but you're also a, a bigger target. Yep. Well, yeah, I think you have to start with the idea that um, we have an enemy. Yeah, right. And, um, and he wants to kill you. <laughs> if he can't kill you, he wants to make you very ineffective. <laughs> and the best way to do that is to cause some sort of um, ego failure, moral failure, <laughs> those things that we're also susceptible to as human right, beings. Right. And that's why I use that, that example of, You've been issued a horse. Mm-hmm. When you have leadership, you've been issued a horse, which means, you know, kind of using the Civil War example of Gettysburg, that movie, is that these generals and colonels had horses, which meant they were above the battlefield. They could direct troops and how they needed to go. Mm-hmm. And they were the targets of the snipers on the other side right. because they're sitting on top of the horses. Right. Nobody's going to shoot into just a general pile of men on the ground. Hmm. They're going to shoot at the people... <clears throat> That are, leadership. that are on yeah. the horses, right. which means once that person's gone, all the guys on the ground are in disarray, Yeah, which means if you're in some sort of pastoral leadership or Christian ministry leadership, you know, and all of us know of moral failures that happen, and it, it, it wipes out the troops on the ground hmm. for a while till they can get their equilibrium again. And so mm-hmm. it's a much greater strategy, if you know, thinking military strategy mm-hmm. as I do sometimes. If I'm the enemy, I'm going after the leader because it sends ripples through all of the congregation mm-hmm. or all the people that they're leading. And uh, and it's hard to, for some people to recover. And, yeah. and literally, some people don't recover. That's right. They go, they, they blame the church, they blame all sorts of things. And so... Right. It's so critical because you're in a leadership position on a horse that you realize the need for caring for your own soul. Mm. It's not selfish. Mm. It's actually uh, thinking about others when yeah. you when you actually uh, care for your soul. That's really good. Oh, it's good. And convicting. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. With that, you're listening to Dave and Debbie Sanders. They're going to join us for one more segment. Thanks for listening to us for Ian Simpkins. That's me. My name is Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you join us. We have the privilege of being joined again by Dave and Debbie Sanders. Thank you guys for taking the time and doing this. We're really appreciative. Thank you. Yep, thanks. <laughs> oh, is that my cue? It yeah. was. Brian just looks at me longingly like, you talk longingly? now. All right, so before before I ask this question, um, can you tell me a little bit about the program at Judson that you mentioned earlier in the show that I know you teach and you were enrolled in, and it's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Debbie actually uh, was in the first cohort. We call it the Master of Leadership in Ministry. Ooh. It's um, 36 hours, and 
rightly priced, and <laughs> everything is included in this program. So An all-inclusive package. All-inclusive, Whoa. which means books, logo software. Israel. Oh, really? Experience to Holy Israel. Holy Land. Wow. We go to the Holy Land for two weeks. We have two courses over there. Wow. It's all included in the price. So, you know, if you're comparing apples and apples, you'll find, hey, this is a this is an amazing uh, cost. But mm-hmm. also, it's designed for people. If you're in a particular denomination and you were going to the pastor, this probably isn't your thing because mm-hmm. they're, they're going to look for you to take uh, courses from their seminaries and that kind of thing. Right. But it, it is uh, aimed at um, people in ministry leadership, hmm. which is, as you know today, much broader than it used to be. Yes. So uh, people that are in, you know, organizations like Young Life or Awanas, as well Food as in churches. Food for the poor. That's right. for the poor. Right. I mean, people that that um, want to understand uh, how ministry leadership really works and take it to the next level. Hmm. Uh, this is a great program. Uh, it's very innovative. Very it's innovative. mostly online with a few face-to-face. That's yep. awesome. So yep. you can be in Taiwan and just come to America a couple times. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? So where they, that's JudsonU.edu. They can learn more. That, is that where they go? JudsonU.edu. Look under the... Um, Graduate programs, and it's called the Master of Leadership in Ministry. That's awesome. Thanks for asking about it. Oh, my pleasure. All right, so what I want to ask you next, then, is uh, something, and like cards on the table, I'm being a little selfish in asking this question. As I mentioned in the first segment, Dave, you are, in my life, one of the clearest pictures of a mentor that I've ever had. Typically, when I'm talking with other people about, oh, a mentor of mine said, uh, I'm speaking of one of three people, and you're one of them, and I think... When I was 19, 20, 21, 22, I don't think I realized just how much I needed that. And by the grace of God, you took a chance on a punk kid like me that was not getting good grades, wasn't <laughs> really well. I mean, I wasn't focused. I, I had all sorts of different passions and interests. And I think I look back now, 15 years later, and realize like what a gift the two of you have been in investing in me in a really like holistic, meaningful way. And I think... I think I've carried that into my ministry roles to really, really care for intergenerational ministry, something that I feel like often the church totally misses the mark on because it's easier. It's easier just to minister to the people that look and talk and act and think just like you, right? That's obviously easier. Can you talk a little more to the value of intergenerational ministry mm-hmm. and why why is it so difficult to do and what are maybe some ways forward? Okay, that's a lot there. That's a lot <laughs> of questions. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm really happiest about being just a picture of mentoring, <laughs> not like a real mentor. But uh, I see what you did there. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I got into this uh, generational study stuff probably about 10 years ago, uh, maybe a little bit before that, and uh, uh, actually teach a course uh, in one of the adult programs at Judson about this. And um, I began to realize... It's easy to use things like this to categorize people and go like, oh, you're a Gen X or yeah, you're right, a right. millennial, you're a, you know, whatever. Boomer. And and that's not the point. The point is to say there are clearly some uh, characteristics that develop mm-hmm. over around historical time periods. Uh, and a generation is considered uh, by the experts uh, about a 20-year span. Hmm. We're doing some some weird stuff with it now and saying you're a pre-millennial and you're a, right, right. You're a Gen Z and which I don't like that term at all. <laughs> look, We're going to run out for, of letters too. Another, so yeah. I know. Yeah, we are out of them right now. It's right, like Z, it. then what? Z, Z, Z or AA? Z squared. No. I don't think they want to be Gen AA. That's yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. Something about them. Uh, so um, as I 
have learned and, and teach about this, I go, um, I'm a, clearly a baby boomer. I'm in smack dab right in the middle of the generation. Right. Um, and yet, uh, if I understand how Gen Xers think and how millennials think and how the generation in front of me, the traditionalists think, uh, it really is helpful in the workplace, mm. uh, in in uh, a lot of different environments, not just the workplace, in churches. I mean, you guys have that. If you have any older people, you have mm-hmm. that that music thing, right? I oh, mean, of it's course. always yes, an always. issue. Right. Uh, it's always an issue how you do the service, whether it's uh, more contemporary, more traditional, these kinds of things. How loud it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Size yeah. of the I mean, font, all of it. Yeah. All of this stuff is <laughs> when you begin to understand how generations, for example, like the word respect. Everybody wants respect. Mm-hmm. What is respect? R-E-S-P-E-S. <laughs> sorry. That's my boomer song coming through. That's right. Some of you millennials so sorry you don't know that song. Yeah, right. Aretha. Okay, so uh, um, respect for a traditionalist means you come to whatever you're doing and you dress nicely. Right. Men would have ties on. You uh, you understand hierarchical leadership and, and you respect the hierarchy and the leadership that way. Hmm. To a millennial, and you say respect, do you want to be respected? They go like, yes. And you go like, well, what does respect mean to you? And they mean like, oh, well, uh, they want to hear my ideas. Mm. Like, oh, well, interesting. That's completely different. Right. Because if you don't want to hear my ideas, and I come into a meeting, and I've only been here three months, but I have I have ideas. Mm-hmm. And I have things I've observed, and I, don't want, to, I want to speak. And traditionalists are sitting there and say, first of all, you're in a T-shirt. <laughs> it shows you don't respect me. And secondly... You've only been here three months. You know nothing, right? Yeah. Okay, and and all of a sudden, both feel disrespected. Interesting. And neither one of them were trying to. So another one is is uh, look at the word work. What mm. does work mean to a traditionalist? What does work mean to a baby boomer, uh, Gen Xer, and a millennial? And you realize, wow, it's very different. It's from hammering something, making something, constructing, uh, fabricating something in the traditionalist time period to uh, baby boomers brought in ideas like. Um, self-help okay mm. and then and then how service kind of industry became baby boomers like i serve you yeah. things mm-hmm. and and so and then uh, gen xers came along and it was much more um kind of conceptual things and entrepreneurial things and this kind of stuff and, mm. and millennials come along and they're sitting in starbucks uh, with their computer <laughs> right. and they're going like what are you doing and going like, i'm working and working is ideas mm. okay so you go ideas you know Hammering a bridge together. I mean, these right. are completely different things, but they all think uh, it's work in their context. Okay, so beginning to understand those uh, differences and and use them for positives as opposed to using them for negatives. That's great. Can be really cool. So then you start dive into, into attitudes and values, where they come from. And a great one I like to use is music because music is a culture carrier. So hmm. you look at music from different decades and you see what's going on yeah. and, and how they express certain things. Right. Whether it's love or family or, or even religion. Hmm. Very, very, very different because of the, the generational views on that. That's so That's interesting. Fascinating. So with this, so thank you guys so much for doing this. With the last minute we have left, we always like to let our guests speak to people out there. Uh, so someone's in their car right now, and they just feel worn out, burnt out. And you guys, they're hearing you talk about soul care, and they're, they're wrestling with it. Maybe with a minute or so, give them a word of encouragement or maybe a, a challenge to of just um, paint a picture of hope for them. Um, well, through the process of being still before God, one of the verses that struck me was the idea of 
of God holding my hand, and it's in Psalm 37, and it talks about, though we are stumbling, though mm. I am stumbling, you're holding me. So it's the idea that we're not perfect, and we're going to stumble, but he is holding our hand. So despite all that's going on in our lives, it's just the realization of great God's great love yeah. for us and his faithfulness to that's us, good. and that he has a hold of our hand. We are not alone. Oh, that's good. That was, I needed to hear that. That yeah, was really same. good. Dave and Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate this. Thanks for doing this all the way from Virginia. Thank yeah. you. Love you and guys. happy come, Advent. Merry Christmas yes. to come you. Come visit us at the Shepherd's Tavern. That yeah. sounds really we'll nice. We'll show up from there next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, well, they, we're very grateful for you guys joining us. Free and Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. Uh, you're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life.